Welcome to We Need to Talk. I'm Corinne. And I'm Matt. And it's Saturday night. It is Saturday night. We, it, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You wouldn't know because you have you work today, so you're all thrown off. I did work today. I stayed home all day, just pining, waiting for you to get home. <laughs> if you were pining? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I did miss you, but, hmm. you, you know. looking at the same sky as I was? Uh-huh. That's a joke for later. Maybe, yeah. No, but I did a lot of uh, cleaning and, you know, hanging out. Writing. I, I did worked on some writing mm-hmm. a little bit. I had, uh, I had some gin while I was writing, and I still have the same glass. It's kind of evolved, though. What has it turned into? Well, it's 7 o'clock now. I poured a glass of gin on the rocks at 3. And then the ice melted, and it didn't taste so great anymore, so I added tonic and more ice. So I have a gin and tonic with Hendrix, but I added bitters, which yeah. I believe is called a pink gin and tonic, and it's actually pretty darn good this way. Yeah. What are you drinking? A whiskey sour. <laughs> As if I didn't make it for you, and I have no idea what it is. A whiskey sour, <laughs> but with no sour mix, so it's got, what, lemon juice and... Sugar. Sugar and bitters. Yeah, and I added some water so it wasn't so tart. Yeah. It's pretty good. Maker's Mark. Mm. Yep. The whiskey of choice this evening. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's weird. We don't usually drink uh, something different, but... Oh, you mean between the two of us? Yeah, we're always drinking the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get this show on the road, but first, we got to talk shop, talk a little bit about uh, the smaller, minor things that happened over the last two weeks mm-hmm. the first being the academy awards yeah the na- the 90th annual oh yeah academy awards right mm-hmm. am i getting that number right yeah 10 years so. 100 that's gonna be cool that would be cool um <clears throat> but what happened at the academy awards anything good uh well a stupid movie one best picture the shape of well Water. i can't call it stupid i haven't seen it but it seems pretty darn stupid yeah i'm the trailers and everything, just the whole idea of that movie bugs me. Yeah. I Although saw, I, lo- I loved Pan's Labyrinth. I saw someone online call it Grinding Nemo, <laughs> and now it's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was not happy to see that one when I would have liked almost any movie over that. Yeah. Although I didn't see it. Who knows? It could be fantastic. Hmm. Um, Francis McDormand won. Her best actress. I was very happy to see that. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, Peel won for best screenplay, right? That was um, good. I was yes. happy to see that. Forget out. Peel. Jordan Peel. <laughs> I said Peel because I couldn't think of his name. I was like, Keenan. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're thinking oh, Key, 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 and Michael Key. Key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I couldn't think of Jordan. but Yeah, Jordan Peel. That was, that was a good moment. I was happy to see that. Um, what else? Sam Rockwell winning for Best Supporting oh, Actor. Yeah. I was very happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the, that's the memorable. Those are things. the highlights. Yeah, it was entertaining. What about the forced viral moment this year? The Oscars always have that forced uh, viral moment, like they did the biggest yeah. selfie ever, and then they did the that like ordering. Um, what did they do? Pizza. They ordered pizza, yeah. and they had, like, the pizza guy come and yep. get on camera at the Oscars. But this time they went to a movie theater nearby and kind of crashed people watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's getting old, but, it, you know, it's enjoyable. I they liked it this year. genuinely happy and excited. I liked it this year. I thought TV it was cool to for the stars to go into a movie theater and say hi to yeah, everybody. Yeah, better than some of the other ones. Definitely better than the selfie. That was the worst. <laughs> Way to go, Ellen. <laughs> well, she's the one who started all. I don't think she had, like, intent to, like, I don't think she was trying to set the bar. I think she was just yeah. trying to take a selfie. Yeah. And Jimmy Kimmel is good. Always a good host. Yep. Um, 
yeah, that's really all I can say for the Oscars. It wasn't that, that, that spectacular. It was a not so great year for movies. No, nah, hoping, yeah. hoping 2018 months. will be better and the Oscars will be back to form next year. Um, anyways, there was a Nintendo Direct that took there was. place, what was that, two days ago now? Yep, I had 44 unread texts on my drive home. Oh, really? That many? Yeah. Yes. So I uh, got out of work early because I was going to be working the weekend. This was Thursday night, and I got home and got all comfortable, put my Zelda shirt on, (laughs) the old Triforce. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And I put on uh, the Nintendo Direct on the TV and watched some interesting games get announced. Um, They started with, like, five to ten minutes about the 3ds which bugged me because i feel like the 3ds needs to just go away and they need to just make games for the switch now um but there were some good games that were announced for the switch Mm -hmm. uh they went more into depth with kirby and mario tennis and uh dark souls but then they announced some good ones uh the south park fractured however whole however (laughs) you're not gonna say it on here so the game is actually called Fractured Butthole. But it's butthole. It's not butthole. Butthole. Yeah, but it's not Fractured Butthole. It's Fractured Butthole. Right. Hole. Yeah. W-H-O-L-E. Yeah. In the emphasis. Right. You could have said it. Well, however. <laughs> um, what else? Smash. Little Nightmares. Well, oh, yeah. I'm just going to get to that. Little Nightmares was uh, a good indie game that's going to be coming. I'm excited for that. Uh, Undertale, another good indie game that's going to be coming. I'm excited for those two specifically because they're going to be like $30, $20 games, which I love. Um, what else? Crash Bandicoot is coming to the Switch. That's a pretty big deal. Um, and then, of course, they announced Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. which is not a game that I really love. I'm not really into just button mashing. I feel like I've probably said this before on the podcast. But yeah, I'm not really into that kind of game. But when I saw the reveal of Super Smash Brothers, I went crazy. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I don't like it as much as I like, like Mario Kart and stuff like that for those type of yeah. games, but it's fun once in a while. The way they announced it was just perfect. And I think it's more fun when you're playing with like friends, too. When it's just you and I, it's not as fun. And but drinking, if you have a whole group. Drinking with friends. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I said I had 44 unread texts is because Matt was giving me text updates while I was driving home. I had to let her know everything that was being announced. Yeah. yeah. And, um... So... I had a couple days off and then back to work this weekend, unfortunately. However, I did come home to something spectacular. And I'm Me? Not, not, re- not referring to you, oh. not referring to Willow, Whatever. not my whiskey sour, but one of my favorite meals. Mm-hmm. What was that? Verde chicken enchiladas. Verde chicken enchiladas. So this is a meal that Corinne kind of figured out how to cook uh, mm-hmm. after she ordered it at Añejo yeah. in uh, Falmouth mm-hmm. in the Cape. And if it's not equal, it's better. Oh, I think it's way if, better. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and have I theirs. really liked it there, and I was like, wow, this is good. I try to make it on my own. And then I made it with like no real expectations that it was going to be as good as it was at Añejo because it was really good there. But yeah. I think it was better. Yeah, so since I don't really have that much to talk about this week, the Direct was good, but I mean, I'd I'd rather save talking about video games for another time. Uh, I felt like tonight I should be discussing food. Okay. In particular, our home-cooked meals. Because those are just the best. Well, we've talked about, we talked about a restaurant last time, and this time I think it's uh, a good idea to shine a light on Corinne's cooking. Oh! Because it's fantastic. Thanks. I think Corinne makes the best home-cooked meals that I've ever had. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've just practiced cooking so much and just learned to make new things and experimented that I think we just have a fantastic bank of delicious meals to the point where, like, I don't really like other people's home cooking anymore. 
<laughs> I just want to eat my own food. <laughs> like, even when we go to restaurants sometimes, like, most of the time I still prefer, like, the stuff we make to, like, the dishes I'm ordering at a restaurant. Do you think that's a psychological thing for most people, though? Definitely. Because... W- Absolutely. I, I really... My mom's going to get upset. She was upset that we were bashing her for not playing board games. But oh, was she? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when I think back to my childhood and the meals that I had at home, I can think of, like, pasta and meat sauce, and I can think of, like, um, chicken with uh, mashed potatoes and corn, corn on the cob. I think it's a very generational thing, though. I think yeah. most people our age grew up like that. A lot of the food that we had at home were was was generic, I'd say. Like we had some specialties. Just, like, my dad my dad's mac and cheese was fantastic. My mom's chicken fricassee was great. Uh, I was never that high on my the cooking at my house, but when I went to a friend's house, I like couldn't eat. Hated their parents' yeah. food. Yeah. Oh, I, I know what you mean. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. It must be a psychological thing where you don't you're, like Because you're used to your own stuff and yeah. how you do it. And a silverware was always a big thing for me. I always I need, like, my you grooved forks. You need ridges. Forks. Yeah, you're a little off. Yeah, if I go to a friend's house and it's, like, a fork that doesn't have ridges, I, it freaks me out. I don't... It's weird. Yeah, you're crazy. And the, the, the fork has to have some weight to it. I, uh, <laughs> I felt, almost felt the same way. When I was a kid, I was kind of a germaphobe. And so I hated going that to my friend's house and eating with, like, the forks that I know that all their mouths have been on a thousand times. Yeah. I'm, like, kind of over that now because I'm not so much of a germaphobe anymore, but, like, that's what freaked me out. Not ridges. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Corinne's cooking. And my cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounded what? very, very enthusiastic with that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just, it's just you haven't cooked in a while, but I think I when, we, when we move, I'm going to make you a... Uh, do a lot more cooking. You don't have to. <laughs> I will volunteer. I know. Um, just looking at the week that I have planned for us this week for our food, uh, tomorrow night we're going to be having turkey pie. Well, okay, I shouldn't call it turkey pie. It's called Willow's Pie. Not mm- named after the dog. Not named after <laughs> the dog Willow. Uh, this was a meal that I created back when I was 14 years old. Uh, I got home from school one day, and I was so hungry that I couldn't wait for my parents to get home to make me something. So I looked around the house and found some things to put together. And I put together a single-serving willow tree pie, chicken pie, Mm -hmm. um, without vegetables, of course. I covered it with uh, Uncle Ben's long-grain wild rice. Mm -hmm. And then I chopped up some raw carrots... I don't like cook. I didn't like cooked carrots at that time in my life. Chopped up some raw carrots, sprinkled them on top. Actually, I did not sprinkle them. I placed them in a like a geometric pattern. Oh, okay. I, was, I was so anal as a kid. Yeah, more so well, than I am now. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, and then I put ranch dressing on top. Hmm. So the recipe has had some changes over the years. Yeah. Uh, no, for a while it wasn't the long grain wild rice. It was uh, broccoli rice au gratin, which I miss. Yeah, we can't find that in stores anymore, so we're back to the long grain wild rice. It's a little boring. Yeah, um, I've switched from Willow Tree to Blake's, and I've switched from chicken pie to turkey pie, uh, and I've changed the baby carrots cut up to matchstick carrots. Mm-hmm. And I've switched the ranch dressing to Italian dressing. Yes. And now it just tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. The combination of all these flavors in your mouth is Yeah, it's perfect. surprising, but it's good. Yeah. That's... I made that meal up when I was 14 years old. Yeah, it's changed a little, but I'm, I'm still eating it, still it's happy with it. inspiration. I'm proud. Um, so that's, that's going to be tomorrow night. Uh, after that, we're going to have eggplant tomato basil orzo. That's a recent invention of Corinne's. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to have veggie tacos. Mm-hmm. It's another Ooh, invention by yours in the yeah. last year or so. Then we're going to have some chicken salad sandwiches based on the Panera Napa Almond mm. Napa Almond Chicken Salad Sandwich recipe. Yep, it has so grapes. It's got some grapes, some celery, almonds, almonds. of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Then we're going to have hot and cool pasta. That's, <laughs> A that's, mess. That's <laughs> an invention of mine where... I, again, just p- 
pulled everything out of the refrigerator and the that cupboards. That tends to be how you cook, huh? That's how I make things <laughs> up. And I threw it all into a, a baking baking pan and made a casserole out of it. Yeah. So it's a pasta. Uh, Tomato-based. Tomato paste. Well, tomato ba- it's a tomato-based pasta, but it's kind of... I'm not saying it. What no, I don't use it. tomato paste. I use... A like can, a sauce, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying like, it's like a tomato. Like canned stuff. Hunt's tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, Ritz crackers, like probably ten of them, just crumbled. More than ten. Sometimes I don't. I don't do more than ten when I do it. Oh, I do. I think. Okay. Um, a lot of cheese, sriracha, some seasoning. Ranch dressing. Ranch dressing, of you, course. Yeah, you always need to put That's some sort cool of salad part. dressing on your meal. <laughs> That's the cool part. So it's hot with the sriracha and it's cool with the ranch. Yeah. And I make it in layers. It's like three layers. And like the thing about it is it comes out completely different every time. It does. It's so inconsistent. But, but it's, it's always good. Yeah. It's a good meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, eating out at the greenhouse because it's going to be St. Patrick's Day. So we got to, of course, go to the Irish bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Saturday, you know, we go out to eat, so we got to save some money, so we're having peanut butter and fluff. Yeah, we're not bragging about that. <laughs> but that, we, I actually planned this week, like, four weeks ago. Yeah. We, we planned oh, yeah, them out ahead of time. Ahead. Uh, but we have a long list of meals that we eat. Um, a lot of them inventions by either you or me. You're not going to read them all, are you? No, but I'll I'll go over some good ones. Well, shouldn't we list our favorites and then fill in any that we missed, like honorable mentions? That's a really good idea. Yeah, so I we're not reading out any, because we both have lists of our favorite meals, right? Uh, I don't have it on me, but I can find it. Oh, and also... You can do yours and I can find mine. Yeah, I made my list earlier, but I feel like I'm missing something, so I'm just going to throw it in at the end, because I don't know where I will throw it in, if not. What should I start at? One? Yeah. Okay, so my first, my favorite meal is Gurita Saganaki. Fantastic choice. Now that meal comes from a cookbook that I bought Corinne in uh, Concord, mm-hmm. our favorite town. Um, we bought it at the Concord like kitchen store, and it's a Mediterranean diet cookbook. I yep. wish we had the name of it so we could... It's right under you. Oh. <laughs> Please hold. It is called... It is called the Mediterranean Cookbook. <laughs> of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's fresh, fast, and easy recipes from Spain, Provence, and Tuscany to North Africa and the Middle East. Yeah. And it has uh, so many great things in there. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. We've got... Uh, Sticky notes scattered throughout, although we've only had three or four meals. Yeah, but it's all been really good. We had one last night. Yeah, but I don't like that so much. I'm not in love with shakshuka. I like it. Not not on my top ten, but I like it. Yeah. So that's basically, uh, we changed it a little based on the cookbook. In the book, it's supposed to be a ton of shrimp, and they suggest that you serve it with um, like crispy bread and a salad, but we don't use that much shrimp. It's, we like focus more on like making it a sauce with some shrimp in it, and we put over angel hair, and it's really good. And it's you know, it's another tomato dish, but it has you know onions. You cook with white wine, feta, thyme. Like it just, it's very simple, but it's perfect. I do have my list up. I have Gurita Saganaki ranked number two. Okay, um, and then my number two. I don't know if this is just a phase because it's relatively new and we've been having it a lot, but the Verde Chicken Enchiladas. I'm very much into those lately. Okay. I have those ranked number six. Okay. Um, number three is the pesto pasta I make. And I have pesto Corinne ranked number four. But I do that different. I do it with, like, basil and I do avocado, blend it up, different, you know, different things in the sauce, but... Stellar. It's creamy, delicious. Feta, of course, tomatoes. Um, number four, I have the tomato basil eggplant orzo that I've been making that we're going to have this week. I don't have that on my list, but I feel like it should be. It's, it is really good. It's a great meal. Yeah. I'll decide after I eat it this week. Okay. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, another new, a lot of these are, are new ones within the last year. Nashville hot chicken. 
Ooh, I don't have that on my list. Your list needs some updating. It probably does, yeah. Did you make it a while ago? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so we came back from Nashville. We love the hot chicken. I tried to figure out how to replicate it. I looked at a recipe that was, like, really complicated, and I decided to simplify it, and it's it's good that way. I'm glad it didn't take too many It's very good. I feel like it tastes just like the, the hot chicken that we had down in Nashville. Like, exactly the same. Um, number six, I have our homemade Crunchwrap Supremes. And I have that ranked number three. Uh, Corinne, you know, never had Crunchwrap Supremes at Taco Bell. They were a go-to for me. Um, I, it, I don't know exactly how many I had. It was the same same year that I had 100 quad stackers. Ew. But I was also going to Taco Bell practically every day That's as well so and gross. getting Crunchwrap Supremes. I think I got two Crunchwrap Supremes every time That's I went. That's really disgusting. Um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, I ate that for a longer period of time than the Quad Stackers, but I may have surpassed the 100 that I had in <laughs> Quad Stackers. They were a fantastic yeah. meal until I found out like all about the meat at Taco Bell. And I don't, I don't eat any fast food anymore. And nor we, do I eat red meat. Yeah, we make these with turkey, of course. Yeah. And they're much better. Way better than Taco Bell's. Good. I'm glad I didn't miss anything. <laughs> um, number seven, another one from the Mediterranean cookbook, moussaka. Or moussaka. How the hell do you say that? Oh, I swore. Uh-oh. I swore. That, I don't think it's that bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You don't have to bleep me? No. We'll be fine. Okay. I don't think the FCC will come after us. I hope not. Not, not yet. I don't think Willow heard me either. She's sleeping over there, so... We're good. Thank goodness. Uh, it's sorry, it's not on my list. Okay. <laughs> you look, you're like waiting for me. Oh, I'm to just waiting for you to like give give like input in general. So yeah, so that's, that, that's another one from the Mediterranean cookbook. It's a good meal. Is that the one that has potatoes in it? Yep. That one I like better than shikshuka. Yeah, I do too. Well, of course, because it's not on my list. But I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first. It was kind of strange. And then the more, it's one of those meals that tastes better the next day. And I had it like the two days after, and it really grew on me. But it was very time-consuming to make, so it's going to be a, a special occasion once in a while thing. Yeah. Which makes me like it even more, knowing that I, it's very, it's a process you got to put into making it, and you're not going to have it that often. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight is turkey chili. Okay, I have turkey chili number nine. Okay. Um, number nine, I have salmon with pineapple mango salsa. Okay, that's a great meal, but I do not have that on my list. <coughs> and number 10, I have Mediterranean lasagna. And I have that number 5. But I also, I forgot haddock bruschetta. That would be somewhere in there. Okay, so I'm going to get to the ones that you missed that are on my list. Okay. Uh, I am a little bit offended because practically all of the ones that are on my list that you missed are meals that I invented. <laughs> well, that's because it, like... Um, in recent years, we've been trying so many new things. Like, you haven't been cooking. You haven't been trying making new meals lately, and I have. So it's like, I feel like we just keep finding better and better things. Yeah, I suppose. Um, okay. But uh, you didn't have my number one. What's that? Linguini Matthew. Okay. So ling- I like Linguini it, Matthew comes from a recipe. F- I worked at a restaurant when I was like 14, 15, and they had a meal called Tortellini Melinda, which they had copied from another restaurant where they had a meal called Tortellini Matthew. Uh, so I learned how to make it. It's basically uh, tomato p- uh, tomato, tomato cream, cream sauce. Yeah. Uh, I use some vodka sauce as well to give it a little bit more of a kick. Um, and you have like small pieces of chicken that you add to it, spinach. It's a basic meal, but I love it. It's, it's good. The first time you made it for me, I did love it. But we've had it so much, and also it's just so <laughs> unhealthy for me. Yeah. That it can't be one of my favorites. <laughs> I originally made it as tortellini, but Corinne hates tortellini, oh, so yes. I changed it to fettuccine. But then fettuccine was too filling, so I toned it down a little bit and went from fettuccine to linguine. Yeah, linguine is the perfect match. I, I think it tastes great the way it is, so much so that I put it number one. It's still one of my favorite meals. Um, another one you missed, my number seven, of course, Willow's Pie, mm-hmm. which 
we'll be having tomorrow. Um, and then number 10, you already just mentioned Haddock Bruschetta, which was another one that I came up with yeah. uh, from that same res- restaurant. But uh, I stole that recipe from them when I was not working there anymore. I was a customer. I was a patron. And I went in and I ordered that and it tasted fantastic. Well, there you go. There's something of yours on my list. That's that's definitely but, fairly uh, high on my list. I just forgot about it. So I threw it at the oh, end. Okay. What? I, right. threw, I threw that in before you said you were offended I didn't mention any of yours even. Oh, well, thank I you. I wrote this down at the beginning because I realized I forgot. I realized way earlier that I forgot this and I was going to add it in, but I never did. It would probably be around number five, I would say. Oh, good. Nice. I'd probably take it off my list, though. Why? Well, because i got to put on Nashville hot chicken. Oh, okay. I think there was another one that you... Oh, the tomato, tomato, no, no, I had that, tomato, oh. basil, uh, oh, orzo yep. one, because that one I might put on, we'll see. <clears throat> but yeah, that's most of our meals, the good ones at the least. The best ones, yeah, we have some that are like simple, if you read in our list, I think we have like baked potatoes, so one of our meals, so it's not all, yeah, I'm looking it's not through. all great stuff, but. So when we're picking out our meals, well, specifically for my week's. I look at this list that I have on my phone that has all of our meals, and I basically pick out, like, five random ones that I'm going to have for this week, and then we go shopping and do it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's good. We keep it varied. We don't eat the same things every night. We don't fall into that rut where you get home and we're going to be, you know, sick of our meals I feel like a lot of people in get our, like in that. Our 30s. Like I know my mom's always like, "Oh, I never want food. Like I never crave anything. I don't care about eating." But it's, it's because she always makes a lot of the same things, and I'm kind of glad because I I think I'd be the same way if I was eating the same stuff. I would just get so sick of it. Yeah, you got to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Yeah, and another good thing that we do is we make enough for four so that we can take it to work the yeah. next day as well. So we're not, you know buying lunch while we're at work no. and spending more money we keep sa- it pretty we, cheap we too because we always money. like we always get stuff that we know will go into like two meals that week so we're not wasting anything we always get exactly what we need we get enough to you know exactly we have a pretty good system and i just i don't know if we're going to be able to have kids because like how are we going to adjust our our current you know, food we gotta, plan like, double the portions and everything but if we have like one kid you just like add a little bit more do we reduce our portions or like we eat a box of pasta for for four. Yeah. It's, it's just going to get too complicated. <laughs> we'll probably just have to lower our portions. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. No. We have pretty big dinners. Yeah. And you start to gain weight more as you age. Your metabolism slows down. So it would be a good thing to cut down the portions. Okay. That's probably what we'll end up doing. <laughs> and the kid will, won't have to have lunch the next day. They'll be getting lunch at school. Maybe. Hopefully. Or they'll be bringing lunch. No, they won't do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad we're making all these decisions right now. It's important. <laughs> it is important. Uh, anyways, you have any other meals that you want to throw out there that we've had? No. I think we've named like the, pretty much the best ones. I'm just excited because there's, like, there's more to come. Like Lately, I've been very inspired. I've been trying new things. I've been making different soups and trying different recipes. I just made a different orzo salad last week that was really good. It was very good. Um, you thought like I was not going to like it. Oh, yeah. I was making this, and I was like, Matt's going to hate me for this. I was throwing things in there that he doesn't like, like golden raisins and Kalmata olives and all yep. sort of orange zest and juice. And I was like, he's going to hate this. He's going to be so mad and not want to finish it. I remember, Well, when you had your list for last week... And I read that list, I was, I, that was probably the loudest and hardest that I've laughed in a long time. Yeah. When I was looking at that list, I thought every, every meal sucked. (laughs) And how was it? How was this, how has this week been? It was fantastic. Yeah. That that just proves my point that you're a fantastic Okay. I can make a laughable list good? You can. (laughs) So yeah, I'm just excited because I feel like there's so, so many more meals to come. Yeah. Can't wait. I can't wait either. I feel like this has been a very corny segment. <laughs> Just talking up your cooking? Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed, actually. I like it. So, we'll take a quick break. Sounds good. We'll come back, and we'll be discussing a movie again. Slash book. 
Flash so this series. Is the third movie we've talked about this season. Yeah. We're gonna have to slow down the movies. I I feel like we're forced to. But anyways, we'll be right back. And we're back. We have a movie slash book to talk about. And that movie slash book is Annihilation. Um, so we first sort of first piqued our interest back in January. We saw you showed me a trailer for it. Um, and I got really excited because of the combination of Alex Garland and Oscar Isaac. Um, this movie is directed by Alex Garland, starring Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. And the pair, um, Garland and Isaac, starred to, well, no, didn't start together, directed and starred in um, Ex Machina, which came out, what, 2016? 2015? 16, I think. And we loved that movie. It was fantastic. So I was excited for a chance to possibly see, you know, something like that again, because it was very unique and we don't see movies like that very often. The, right. Um, so I saw the trailer and realized that it was based on a book. So I wanted to, it seemed very interesting. So I wanted to read the book first. So I immediately went out and bought the Annihilation book. And it's actually part of a trilogy called the, so why are you smiling at me? Cause I know where this goes. What do you mean? The, at the rate you read, you bought the one book, read it, and then went out and bought the next two. Yeah read them all I did rather than rather than waiting to see if you even like the movie well I liked the books I wanted to so anyways I bought the book Uh, it's a trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer all three of them actually came out in 2014 Annihilation Authority and Acceptance and so they were published in 2014 but the interesting thing is Paramount Pictures bought the rights to the the movie rights to the whole series in 2013 so before the books were even published. Uh, so they probably are planning on doing the sequels as well? I don't... I looked into that and I didn't necessarily see... I just bought the rights to the trilogy probably because I knew they were all coming out, but I almost don't feel like there's going to be sequels, but we'll see. Okay. Um, and so, not, so I read this whole trilogy, I think, like, throughout February pretty much. And so let me just start... Tell, tell you what it's about first. So it revolves around this area called Area X, which is an abandoned area of land, I think, in like the Florida, Georgia area. And it's surrounded by this invisible border. And, you know, there was some sort of event that created this border. And since it's been there, they've sent different expeditions in. But people on the missions, they sort of just come back kind of listless and unable to report much of anything. I don't think it's in Florida or Georgia. Why? She's a uh, professor at Johns Hopkins that's in Virginia, I want to say. Oh, I think in the books, maybe they changed it. Okay. I, well, I, I was going to ask if you got that from the book or from the movie, because I don't think they they placed where the movie is. But then I realized she's a professor at Johns Hopkins, okay. so it must be. I, th- I might be wrong, but I think I heard that the books are in the Florida area. Okay. So, basically through this whole series, I felt like I kind of trudged through the whole series with sort of mixed feelings on it. I know. <laughs> I felt... So I finished Annihilation and I was like, I don't really know what I thought. think about it. But it just left me with so much questions and wanted to know so much more that I did buy the other two. And so Annihilation um, on Goodreads, it's a 3.65 and I gave it a 7.5. Authority, which was the worst of the three, was a 3.53 out of 5 on... Oh yeah. What, you, seven, uh, you confused <laughs> me big time. I'm going by mine. Yes, exactly. Oh, I'm okay. assuming everybody knows how we grade things. So it's a three point annihilation was a three point six five out of five stars on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. I rate out of ten, so seven point five out of ten. I gave it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that could have been very confusing. <laughs> Authority was. was a three point five three out of five, and I graded at seven point one out of ten. Okay. And then acceptance was a three point five seven, and I gave it a seven point nine. Now, that one I had rated the highest. I mean, hmm. Annihilation, it may have been better. People seem to like Annihilation the best. But I think by the, ti- by the time Acceptance kind of 
wrapped things up in a way and I learned some of like you know what was really going on and some of the different characters and you know some of the loose ends were tied together I think it made me appreciate the whole series more which is maybe why I rated it higher because I felt satisfied finishing that in terms of the whole series okay so um that being said it was sort of very difficult for me to watch that movie after having read all three and knowing what I knew because it's hard to go in with like a open mind mm-hmm it was very loosely based on the book. You told me that when we left the theater. We do when we leave the theaters now because we do these podcasts. We <laughs> we like don't talk. We're silent. But she did mention yeah. that it was very different from the book. I would say that like maybe only like ten percent of the content from the book was like in the movie. Wow, really? Well, the main premise was the same. So you have this this area of land that you know something happened to create this border around it and people know very little about it they just know when things go into it they disappear or they come back they don't come back at all or they come back being not themselves mm-hmm. so in in the book and the movie um the main character natalie portman's character decides she wants to join one of the missions to go investigate it because her husband had just come back from it and he wasn't the same person and she wanted to you know figure out what what was in there and what happened and she wanted to you know get some sort of understanding about it right um so so like i said there were a lot of things different but i feel like it was kind of necessary because the book was complex but also very vague and i think it would have been sort of difficult to portray it precisely as a movie But I was still sort of confused because there was a lot of stuff that was taken out that didn't need to be taken out, and then there was a lot of extra stuff put in that I didn't know why there was extra stuff put in when there was so much taken out. Is it the action elements? Yes. So they're probably trying to do that so that they can make more money at the box office. Right. That's, That's one of the big things. So I actually have a list here of some of the things that were different, some small, some very big. Um... This is without giving away any spoilers or anything, really. Okay. Um, so the character development was different in the book. They're much less... They don't have names. They're just known as the biologist, the anthropologist. They do that on purpose so they don't like get a connection purposely with each other. Names. I feel like I still don't know what Natalie Portman's character's name was. Lena. Lena, okay, yeah. Um, and I think they built more of a connection between the characters in the movie. In the book, there was sort of more distance, a little more paranoia. And the connection between Lena and her husband, um, what was his name? Kane. Kane. Sergeant Kane. That was also a little bit different, too. Okay. Um, Natalie Portman's character in the book was Asian. And, of course, that's uh, come up with a lot of controversy, you know, making her not oh, diverse. But, you know, they had the... Alex Garner was working on the movie before the books came out, so he didn't know all the details. Wait. He was working on the movie before the books came out? He had started casting already. He Uh, knew the details, but I don't think he knew, like, everything that was happening in the books. That's incredibly strange. So it's like Game of Thrones, where they're making new seasons now without George R.R. Martin having even written the books yet. Yeah, I mean, I think he had, like, a synopsis on it, but, you know, he didn't know the main character was Asian. Interesting. Um, so as you said, there's more action. It was more, I feel like it was more sci-fi overall. A lot of the, like, beasts in the book and those, I'm sorry, the beasts in the movie and those action scenes, those intense scenes didn't happen in the books. And I think in general things, maybe it was just my mind made it less sci-fi, but that is not how the area looked in my in the book. They just kind of described it as a pristine piece of land with, yes, like, lush stuff growing all over the place, but not those like icicle trees and like everything just seemed very sci-fi and fantastical in the movie mm-hmm. um every character's fate every single one was completely different interesting <laughs> um the ti- the title annihilation has a completely different meaning in the book and movie okay um there's this whole element of hypnosis in the book that wasn't touched upon in the movie which i think w- we was very interesting in the book and i kind of wish they had gone there Hmm. and one of the biggest things is there's a whole like central plot point um called the topographical anomaly or the tunnel or the tower people refer to it as 
that was very, very, very important in the whole series that they didn't talk about. Was that the lighthouse, though? Um, the the tunnel in the lighthouse, sort of, I think, was meant to portray that. Okay. But it was it was very different. Okay. And the ending was completely different. <sighs> wow. <laughs> so I think um, the ending of the movie it was much more conclusive and grandiose, and it could set up for a sequel, but it doesn't necessarily need one. Um, it was much more subtle in the book, book, and it was obvious that there was much more of the story left. But, yeah, those were, you know, those were some of the main differences, which, you know, there were a lot. Yeah. Um, what I do like that they did that was, that was new <coughs> in the movie is they sort of gave an explanation of what was happening, what the border was doing to everything within it. I think, um... The you know one of the people not Lena but one of her you know expedition mates there kind of figured out what the border was doing to everything with DNA inside of it mm-hmm. and that didn't really happen in the book. I liked the use of flashbacks too in the movie. Okay. I found that interesting. Um, what I didn't like you might you might disagree with me on this was the set design. I think it was beautiful at many points, how they made the land look. It was really cool looking, but I think it also looked very, very fake at some points. Hmm. Like, if you notice, they were crossing that bridge of, like, crazy flowers, you know, all sorts of the colorful, strange-looking flowers. Like, and right at the beginning? Yeah. And, like, oh, Natalie Port. That. It looked pretty, but Natalie Portman's touching, and you can tell they're, like, fake flowers. Like, it just, I could tell it was a set. Well, obviously, it's a set, because it's sci-fi, and that stuff doesn't grow in real life. Hmm. But it just had this not real enough look to me. And the other thing that kind of really bothered me about it was, I don't know the word for it, but, like, the progression or, like, the sequencing of the movie, it felt like, oh, we're walking here, and look, we found this thing, and now we're walking here, and look, we found this thing, and it was almost like a funhouse sort of thing, yeah. where they were just walking through, and, like, oh, next second, look, we ran into something else, and it wasn't enough, like, it wasn't a very re- realistic story, because you have miles of open land, and, like, everywhere they turn, they're running into something new to discover. Yeah. So, like, that, I felt was a little cheesy. But, I mean, that's sort of, those were sort of my thoughts on it in general. I'd like to hear, though, what somebody who hasn't read the books with a clean slate going into the movie, like, what <coughs> your general thoughts were and how you saw the movie. Okay. So, when you were describing plot, I was a bit confused because I think you were kind of jumping between book and movie. So, I just want to give a brief synopsis of the plot from a moviegoer's perspective so what happens is at at the very start of this movie i don't think this is a spoiler if you don't want to hear anything about the plot at all though i would stop listening now but uh what i saw happen like the opening scene something comes down from the sky and crashes into this lighthouse on this beach yeah um it looks like it could be a meteor or something um but as soon as it hits it sort of sets off this reaction um which ends up becoming the shimmer and we learn through uh jennifer jason lee's character uh dr ventress ventress yeah um we learn from her that you know this shimmer or border, as Corinne has referred to it, um, has been sort of quickly expanding and, mm-hmm. and growing. And um, it's expanded to the point where it's... they Well, they don't really know what's going on inside it. They don't know if it's a danger to humans or not. That's why they start sending in these teams of, of people to uh, go in and you know, there's military people that are going in because they don't know if it's dangerous, but they're also sending in scientists to, you know, sort of run tests and figure out exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I know that all really kind of sounds confusing. So if you haven't seen the trailer, I would check that out. You'll see what the shimmer is. It sort of looks like this iridescent bubble. I like how they did that too. It looked cool. Yeah, it's iridescence. It's like the the second xx uh album that, <laughs> that x cover art 
that look of like when you're looking at a gasoline like puddle, a, yeah. a gasoline puddle, and it has that rainbow effect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but imagine seeing that just randomly in the sky floating around. <laughs> it would be very off-putting. Um, so one of the people who goes into the shimmer, as we'll call it, um, is Natalie Portman's husband in the film, Oscar Isaac, and he comes back and. When Corinne says that he's a totally different person, she doesn't mean that it's literally a different <laughs> person. Uh, it's he, he's, His mind is completely altered from going inside this bubble. There's no emotion. Yeah, like extremely stoic and robotic. Or could be a completely different person. Could be. Um, but so something happens and Natalie Portman tries to take him to the hospital. Some stuff happens. And eventually she finds herself in the position to go into the Shimmer uh, with this team of other females, which when they were walking up to the Shimmer, and you see the backs of them, they're holding their their guns, it r- reminded me of like the female... Ghostbusters. Go- Ghostbusters. Oh, that's exactly what I thought of it. <laughs> yeah. I thought their uniforms, that was part of it I, that I think made it cheesy is they're like their uniforms, and, like their guns, it did look Ghostbusters yeah, to me. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Um, and uh, th- I didn't sense fear from them. You would think that you would be fearful walking into this iridescent bubble, but they just walked right into it like I would walk through the threshold to get into the bathroom, like it was nothing. <laughs> um, which I thought that usually, I mean, in real life, I feel like I would touch this bubble. Yeah first before just sending my whole body through the movie made not not one iota of a big deal about that yeah i think it was like they were all standing back at first but ventress was like you know she walked right into it because she obviously had no care like she was very determined she wanted to go in she's the one who's been studying it from the beginning right and so she had no doubts about it so i think everyone just felt like they needed to follow her lead and just went for it yeah. So while inside, they're seeing things that are, like, scientifically impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, plants that are crossbreeding, I guess, but they're, like, yeah. on the same vine, but mm-hmm. they're different plants, different species, and it makes no sense that they would be crossbreeding. Eventually, they run into animals that look like they're crossbred with plants, or animals that are crossbred with other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very strange. It all seems to be stemming to that phenomenon of the thing that crashed into the lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, you know, they run into dangerous things. Although, another one of my gripes is I never really felt like that danger was really there. Maybe because it was the daylight. Well, the first one was in the daylight, so that one seemed less threatening. I think the uh, second one in the dark was kind of scary. You're talking about the thing that came through the fence. Yeah, and then came into the house. Yeah, but they were face-to-face with it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really doing anything when they weren't reacting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It didn't give me fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was upsetting. It made me think, like, why even stop this shimmer? Let it keep coming. It's not really harming. What? <laughs> well, nobody knew if it was harming or not, and it clearly was, because the animals <laughs> were dangerous, as you could see. Okay, so the... Again, maybe spoilers, but the animals were an alligator... Mm-hmm. And a bear. Yeah. They were mutated. They were different. Yeah. But alligators and bears are dangerous in our real world. True. But I mean... But but nobody knew they were in there, even. And these ones were very violent. Yeah. Well... So, I don't know. You shoot... I don't think anyone would want to shoot a bear with the, an M16 a couple times. I think that bear will get violent in real life, too. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, I just didn't feel their fear. I felt 
Maybe it was the beauty of the landscape. Oh, well, I think it made me feel comfortable. Well, yeah, I think that was part of the whole thing that it was supposed to be. It's like pristine land, or it's like, wow, this is like really a nice place, but it's also kind of dangerous. Like, I think when they were briefing Lena at one point in the movie, asking her what she saw there or whatever, I think she said something like that. She's like, well, a lot of it was actually really beautiful, though. Yeah, and one of the characters really falls for that beauty, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just want to get it. I took down some notes of just words, like, basically, like, keywords that I was thinking of while I was watching this film. Um, I have impactful, overwhelming, numbing, trans-inducing, paralyzing. Well, those are some powerful words. Well, all of this, I think, makes sense because how many people were in the audience? Maybe five? Yeah. <laughs> and how many people got up and left before the end credits finished? Well, nobody because they didn't turn the lights on yet. Oh, and plus the ending The ending was, was the end visually <laughs> stunning. It was like yeah, a laser show. I loved that. And the music throughout the film was fantastic. Yeah, I liked that reoccurring song they used. I really feel like... Although the movie wasn't great, my issues are mainly the way they did jump from plot point to plot yeah, point. Yeah, that was my biggest issue. Um, that was one issue. Another one I had was the acting. I thought everybody was too whitewashed and too serious, and they didn't really form relationships. It didn't seem authentic to me. Yeah. Um, Another one of my issues was it was like over the top gory, which I oh, I'm yeah. not a prude in any way. I, that usually doesn't bother me, but there was stuff that was happening in that that was like way over the top for me. Yeah, that one part on the video was a lot. Okay, that's one. I was thinking about the bear as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was just very, very over the top. Um, what else? Natalie Portman goes in without telling the rest of the team who her husband was. That's something that always happens in movies. I know, people but it wouldn't keep, happen in real keep life. People keep these secrets to themselves, but you feel like her husband is basically... A celebrity to these people because he's the only one who's come back alive. Yeah, and she doesn't mention that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't, I agree. That wouldn't happen in real life, but it does happen in movies. So it's not something that I. That makes me mad. Was a big deal. Um, when she's talking to the scientists at the end, and they want her to explain what she saw. I won't say what she saw, but they want her to explain it. And she says that she can't. Mm-hmm. When I I could perfectly well explain it. Um, I That was on purpose. I think it was just poorly done. Uh, I understand why I, you didn't understand it, but... I hate that stuff. But because it definitely... You won't get a better understanding in the book because it did affect her mind so much in the in the book there are tons of missions that go out mm-hmm. and every person that comes back is like that they can't explain much they said oh yeah it was pretty we saw these plants and we saw birds and like but they can't really like some of these people who go in have been through with this crazy stuff but none of them come out able to talk about it Okay, so I guess I just have to read the book to understand. Yeah, I I know what you mean. If I had seen the movie, I would have been, like, so frustrated with her. Like, what do you mean? Like, you came back. Like, talk about what you saw. But it, it is like that for a reason. Okay. Um, yeah, there's other stuff that I want to talk about, but it's probably too too far into spoiler territory, so I don't think I should get into it. Okay. We can um, chat later. Yeah. <laughs> But I do have some comparisons that I have to this movie. Okay. So, did I love this movie? No. So let's grade it together. Okay. Um, 
ironically, since it is a 7.8 on IMDb and a 79% on Metacritic, I actually gave it a 7.8, and that was without having some of <laughs> scores. That's funny. Uh, I gave it a straight 7, okay. which went up a lot for me, because during the movie... I think I was, you know, thinking, maybe I, I was thinking about the book and, like, what to expect next, and none of that aligned. On top of that, and some of the issues that you mentioned that you had with the movie that I agreed with, I, like, didn't think I liked it during it. I was like, this is, like, a five or a six. Like, I was not enjoying it. But then I liked the ending, and I, like, thought about it, and I I realized I was being too harsh, so I gave it a seven. My mind was going crazy the whole time. I never dropped as low as a five, but I was bouncing around in the six territory and as high as the nine territory. Yeah, well, I, I, I could tell you were intrigued because the there were parts of the movie that you were like, what the... Like, you were, like, so taken aback, but it didn't, like, phase me because I had either... I don't know. It Even some of the stuff was... Most of the stuff was different than what happened in the book, so it could have phased me, but, like, I... Because I knew the whole thing, like, it really didn't... I don't know. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, not really, because it, it, you you said ten percent of the movie came well, from the book. Well, that's why that's why it's confusing. Yet it didn't phase you. It didn't phase me because I know all the weird stuff that happened in the book, and it was all like kind of explained. So I was able to kind of at least understand the meaning behind it all. I guess when this, you were... this all phased me. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Like, when I said those words, paralyzing and trance-inducing and stunning and whatever else, I literally mean those words. Mm -hmm. This was... I had some comparisons. I'll mention them now. This was one of those movies that made me sit through the end credits, and I still didn't want to get up. I just wanted to mm. stay there. Like, I was contemplating the meaning of life. And there's only a few movies that have done that to me in, in the past. Requiem for a Dream is one. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting through the end credits of that the first time I watched it and then still sitting there on my couch for another, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Staring at a blank screen, like, what what was that? Um, the Road, which is another movie I've told you I don't think I ever want to watch again, yeah. <laughs> although I own it. It was just extremely depressing and makes me think about the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. uh, the Fountain. Yeah. Which... Also, very similar in visuals and music to oh, this yeah. movie. I, guess I thought The Fountain and this that's is a, good a comparison. really close comparison. Yeah. Uh, Sunshine, that one you haven't seen. I do have it, though. We could take a look at that. Melancholia. Ugh. So did that's you a think depressing was, movie. Did that's you think one of this the most was depressing, depressing then? Because you're saying a lot of depressing ones. Well, Melancholia was the most depressing movie that I ever saw. Yeah. I and mean, I did have to sell it after watching it because it did a number on me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. Okay. Um, I had irreversible as well. That's just, again, based on the feeling, not at all the subject matter. Huh. Um, yeah. Okay. It affected me. Interesting. Because it's one of those sci-fis that feels like this could happen. Yeah. Although they tell us the whole time, like, this makes no sense. This is scientifically impossible but like you never know mm -hmm. if something from another planet crashes down on the earth you don't know how chemicals re will react mm -hmm. there could be elements that are coming with this meteor or whatever it is that we have never seen yeah. nor studied and for we don't sure. know how they would react with That's us creepy. they could disintegrate the whole planet for all we know <laughs> In this in this version, it turns stuff into beautiful crossbreeds, and sometimes horrifying crossbreeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's kind of funny because the way see I didn't necessarily feel that impactful feeling from it, but the way you described feeling at the end was how I felt when I finished that first book, which is weird because the endings were completely different. But it did make me think about, like, the meaning of life and mostly, like, what message maybe the writer was trying to get across with the movie, because I, with the book, because I think he had, like, a, maybe, like, a moral, almost, and I was trying to, See? and I, like, kind of got it after reading it, and I was like, huh, like, it made me think about, like, humankind and nature and 
you know, that sort of stuff. This is why the whole time you were reading that trilogy, I was telling you, you need to slow down and just wait until you see the movie, watch the first, read the first one, then watch the movie. Because I feel like you were judging it based off of a series that you had read rather than the first book. No, but it was so different anyways where it wouldn't have made a difference. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. For me, it's a 7.8 now, but next time I watch it, it could be a 9 for a long Yeah, I, I do want to watch it again. Definitely. I'm going to buy it because I think it's one of the most beautiful movies that I've ever seen. Yeah, just that's visually true. and sonically. So the music in the movie, um, in the nice, like, serene moments before we understand what's happening and they're, like, going into the shimmer and everything looks beautiful, you get this sort of ambient acoustic guitar which reminds me of alt j's 3ww which is why i was just listening to that before we started um and then it turns into this like bass (laughs) bass synth heavy sort of the sound you made is funny that's not exactly how i would describe it but you're making it sound like a hans zimmer score yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) which it's similar, but it's it's different. The same it's, like feeling. It it feels the way the shimmer looks. Yeah. It sounds like what you would expect that to sound like. Like a mixture of like Hans Zimmer, but then also like Stranger Things music. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Maybe I don't know. I guess that could could make sense. Yeah. Just the the music I thought was fantastic. By the way, Crosby, Stills and Nash helplessly hoping yeah helplessly hopelessly uh yeah mm-hmm. i liked that that was a nice touch um music was fantastic the visuals i it i guess it's the first movie that put me into another world since avatar i was thinking of avatar when i was watching it too and avatar i disliked because i am a hipster <laughs> and when I saw Avatar, everybody was already talking about it as being the best movie of all time. So oh, yeah. I wanted to go in hating it, or I went in wanting to hate it, and I ended up thinking it was decent. Yeah. But visually, I thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, ever since wanting, ever since watching that movie, I've wanted to look up in the sky and see like five planets at once. I've never like, seen it up close. Oh, really? No, I've only seen parts. Oh, you should. I know. I've always kind of wanted to, but I've only seen bits and pieces. It's just amazing to think. Look, We look in our sky, and we see the moon, you know? Yeah. And you can, like, see the surface of the moon, mm-hmm. but we're not close enough to other planets that we can do that. Yeah. But like imagine in, like being in, in a sky too. where you can, where yeah. you can see other planets as close as you can see the moon. Because there are plenty. In Avatar, you can do that. That's And the, in Star Wars. Yeah. That's why I, that's what I took out of Avatar is that that type of beauty exists in this solar system Ugh. somewhere. Imagine there's so much beautiful stuff on this earth. Imagine what else is out there. Yeah. Crazy. So, uh, Annihilation put me into a similar world. Huh. So I wonder. I wonder if you would. It seems like what you really like about it is the visuals. Visuals and sound. So I I wonder if you would like the books, because it's obviously going to lack those two things. You don't have visuals or sound in the book. Very interesting concept. Yeah. We'll see. Do you want to read them? Oh, yeah. When I finish uh, Naked Lunch, I think. You're going to go right into it? Yeah, I mean, I think you should. You should. I don't think you should let too much time go, because then you might be like, wait a minute, I don't remember in the movie how this went, and... I liked, I liked having seen, read it and seen it so close together because otherwise I might have been more confused. So. Mm-hmm. I wish you didn't read it though. I do. I always like to read the book first. Mm. Always. Okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? No, we'll have to talk outside of the podcast. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're going to kick you to the curb now. Yeah. (laughs) Private conversation. (laughs) But we'll see you next week. No, in two weeks on our next episode of We Need to Talk. Yeah, and we're going to talk about... 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> geez, am I supposed to know? <laughs> Maybe question my memory. <laughs> Anywho, in the meantime, if you want to reach out oh. to... Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. You have something important. Well, I do want to also mention couple of trailers that we saw before oh the movie. yes i wanted to mention that too a couple so, of good movies coming out yeah one of them we've known about for a while because we've been to the movies twice already before yeah. this this year and it, it's been a trailer for all three movies we've seen mm-hmm. and that is a quiet place but they had a new trailer this time they did have a new and trailer. i learned so much more from it i was kind of upset i, I yeah, wanted to close my eyes during there that. was two big big things that i noticed during that that i didn't that yeah. i didn't want to know yeah but a quiet place looks like it's going to be fantastic that is of course um directed by john krasinski and starring mm-hmm. john krasinski and his wife emily blunt yeah um and it looks fantastic so and check out that what trailer. was it our second episode we talked about the state of horror movies yeah and how it's, and how it's so like good. fantastic at the moment mm-hmm. well a quiet place is supporting that and so is this other one hereditary did you even know this was coming never heard of it, it was like usually i think you've been a little less into it lately but you used to always keep up with IMD, imdb and like check out the movies that were coming up and i thought you would have known about this well i still do that but only for certain directors because this like is i've from, been like, following the... the quentin tarantino project about charles manson yeah. for like probably a year now and people are just now finding out about it because this one was from the right was it the writer of the witch or was it the director uh producer for the producer okay so you wouldn't really so you wouldn't matter. be following that but okay no. no but yeah uh it in in the lead up to it uh they were comparing it they were saying it was like this generation's exorcist yeah which i kind of got that it's different it reminds me more of like the visit the visit okay the elderly yeah i didn't really get that i don't or like the conjuring too i didn't get anything from it 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 was very i think it's original really original i'm excited and it's also like it goes somewhere that horror movies normally wouldn't like the topic sort of people wouldn't think of it has to do with like a grandmother I'm, I'm, why am I thinking I'm going to go voice spoilers? I saw a trailer. It's obviously not a spoiler. <laughs> it has to do with, a, like, a grandmother who's, I don't know, haunting, possessing, like, something. I don't, I don't really know because I don't really show too much, but normally you don't go into that uh, make fun of grandma, make grandma look bad type thing, but they're doing it, and it looks scary. It looks very scary. <laughs> I think it's going to have some jump scares, but I also think it's going to be one of those ones that gets into your mind like I like, so. Mm-hmm. Those two movies, horror movies, they're still here, guys. And those ones we'll probably see and will probably be a topic on some podcasts in the future. Probably. I, I think we're going to the theaters for those. A Quiet Place comes out, like, next month, right? Oh, boy. And I, I don't know. I didn't see the date on the Hereditary one, but. I didn't. We'll have to look it up. Alrighty. Okay. So, in the meantime, if you'd like to reach out to us, give us your thoughts on food or annihilation or anything at all, you can reach us on Twitter at Matt and Corinne, M A T T A N D C O R I N, or email us at we need to talk pod at gmail.com. All right. See you guys. Later.